Welcome to A Degree in Sports, your home for college football and college basketball. My name's Cole, and I'm here alongside my great mate, Jeff Tate. Mr. Jeff, how are you doing on this drama-filled night and week of college football? Yeah, to say a drama-filled week would probably be an understatement. It's Wednesday, October 25th. Uh, We're recording this, and a lot has happened since we talked about Michigan football. We had other things to talk about. That's not going to dominate the podcast. We have actual games we're going to talk to you about. But uh, I want everyone to get excited because right now uh, it's 7.04. In like four minutes, Michigan State is tipping off against Hillsdale College. Well, exhibition action in East Lansing. So basketball season is full go. This is the only home game for Michigan State I will not be in attendance for this year. So uh, I just can't do it. Can't go watch them play Hillsdale College. It just doesn't. It's not worth it for me. But Cole, yeah, a lot of dramas happening. But college basketball is getting close. I mean, we're it's Wednesday, October 25th. First game is November 6th. So we are, I mean, we're right there. Next week, we're going to bring a preview podcast to uh, our fans. But yeah, let's let's start in some uh, football topics here. And a lot has changed. I and I say a lot has changed. A lot has come out. And this is something, Cole, I don't like because we live in an era where you don't know what's true. Like, you just don't. Um, we, we live in an era now where social media and anybody can... Uh, say their opinion and it can be taken as truth or it can be taken as a complete lie. And right now you're seeing the full extent of that. I mean, you and I are obviously following this pretty heavily. And uh, since we recorded this, um, a lot has come out in terms of Connor Scallions, the uh, reported staff member that has now been uh, suspended by Michigan uh, with with pay. So good for him. He's still getting paid. But uh, he is rumored to have bought all um, what is it, 30, 30 games, I believe, something like that, um, for future since, opponents. Since early 21. Since early 21 for future Michigan opponents and then future possible college football playoff opponents. And just a lot has come out. Uh, I'm going to give Cole, because he's a Michigan fan, the full right to say what he thinks all of this means. I will admit, as a as an observer of it, it is. I think it's getting a lot is coming out, and it's all kind of playing together. Now, a lot of that can be the media. So I'm going to say that I am not formally saying that all of it is accurate and that Michigan is going to get in trouble. But the overwhelming evidence that's coming into the NCAA, there's rumored to be hours of footage of um, the people that sat in these seats that Connor Scallions bought at uh, like Ohio State, at Penn State, those places. Uh, there's footage that is actually available now that the NCAA is going through to see if they were illegally recording. So, Cole, as a Michigan fan, I know it's a bye week, and this is going to dominate the news for definitely the next two weeks till you guys play a game. I say two weeks, but two weeks from your last game. What What are your thoughts? I know I'm, you on Sunday said you weren't denying it, but you also weren't saying that all of it was uh, probably true just because of – the vendetta that I do think the NCAA does have against Jim Harbaugh, but a lot of evidence is coming out. I've talked to some Michigan fans. One of our friends, uh, Chucky, seems a little worried here about what's coming out for Michigan. So, Cole, what are your thoughts on the recent developments? So the first thing is Chucky's a warrior at heart. I mean, he like something little happens and he'll say the sky's falling. So love that man to death. But I wouldn't take his uh, his worry to mean much just because he, he's a typical little worrier. But yeah, it's so much has come out since our last recording. The last two days, I feel like we're just getting overloaded with information. I do think this is way blown out of proportion due to the fact that it is Michigan. It is the number two team in the country. Um, it is such a big brand. It's it's. I've never seen a college sports like scandal or something like this where you're hearing opposite things from so many different people around the college football landscape. There's there's Dion saying it's not that big of a deal. You still got to stop the plays. Everyone in the sports trying to get an edge. It's not that serious. And then there's um, other coaches saying it's like a huge deal. Put them in prison. There's there's fans 
from obviously rival schools who are going to blow out of proportion, which I would too if this was Ohio State, just because that's the fun of the rivalry. There's not a concrete like, oh yeah, we're all on this side saying this is absolutely wrong. Um, obviously, what has happened, I think it definitely happened at this point. It absolutely happened, no doubt about that. Um, my initial hope when it came out was that Harbaugh had no clue about it. That's what he said in a statement. He did not know. Um, and when I learned about uh, who did it and who was the one who spent in Connor Stallion's a low-level uh, coaching staffer, my hope was that this was a guy who was tasked with scouting and wanted to do anything he could to rise in the ranks quickly and find his way. And with everything that's coming out today, um, I almost feel affirmed in that. I almost think that is what happened. Um, obviously, there's still a lot to come out, and it could be I could be proven not true. It seems like he, to an even greater extent than I thought, he has almost rallied like his own little army where he's made his little plan uh, to basically one day take over the Michigan program um, once Harbaugh eventually leaves and that, you know, naturally as, as things happen, where he has planted almost, he has guys, low-level staffers from other parts of the country where he's made this whole elaborate plan where once he gets there to that head coaching job, he can you know, bring them on his coaching staff. It seems like a whole elaborate plan that he's, he's doing whatever he can to get an edge to move up the ranks quickly and create his whole, what he called it, a Michigan manifesto. He's already has a 600-page document. Um, there are two players on the coaching staff that seem to be involved uh, with this as at least they have some knowledge, and that would be Chris Partridge, our linebackers coach, and Jay Harbaugh, our special teams coordinator. He has been associated with it as well. Um, I do think... Those guys, they mean a decent bit to our program, but they're not like the top guys by any means. So I'll have to say there's a lot going on. People are throwing out, like you said, uh, well, they'll say this is concrete evidence, like the video of them with the signs. Uh, that happens every single college football game of a guy who's a scout. There's literally, once again, nothing illegal about stealing signs. There's only things illegal about sending person people to games live to record and get an unfair advantage in that way so there's no damning evidence that Harbaugh knew because he was sitting there taking the signs he probably just thought he had a good scout if it comes out that he didn't know it could very well be like oh I got a good scout my, my I trust my defensive coordinator he knows the signs like we're gonna keep rolling with it so yeah it's there it's this is honestly very loaded with a lot of moving parts and things keep coming out every single day, especially with the way uh, it seems like Stallions is fully cooperating and giving the NCAA every single answer they, uh, for, to every question they ask. Um, and this, there's, a, there's a video that came out of him and his dad in 2018 like, on the sideline with uh, guest passes, like jumping up and down at a game. Like they're huge Michigan fans. It almost seemed a little fanboy. Uh, so yeah, that's there's so much. I don't know exactly. No one can possibly know what's going to come out of this. There's there's way too many things that are continuing to come out. It's, it's, uh, the situation's constantly evolving. Um, but my hope and the ideal thing is that Harbaugh and the upper level coaching staff had no clue. And yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. I will say something similar to this happened years ago, uh, a few years ago with Baylor. Um, but no one, absolutely no one knows about because it, it was Baylor and they didn't do anything with it. Uh, they got in trouble for some sign stealing, sending uh, personnel to games to record, and they only had two assistant coaches suspended. Um, so that kind of shows like how much different it is if it's Michigan compared to a school like Baylor, who's irrelevant on the national scale. So um, yeah, people need to just get their information and, and relax a little bit. Yeah, who would have thought we would be going through dude's Venmos and just like tracking all this these Venmos that he sent. It's like, it's just crazy to me. And I think I, I have a unique perspective on this. So as somebody that worked for a college uh, athletic department, obviously I worked for Western Michigan's basketball team, division one program. I, I do feel sympathetic for this Connor guy because you as a person that's trying to work your way up in anything, but especially in college athletics, you're going to do anything you can to stand out. And for him to do something like this, I mean, that's the ultimate way to stand out. If you, if this is something that 
the coaching staff did not fully know about. And you are giving Jim Harbaugh the right calls to like win football games and stuff. Like what better way to stand out for that guy? And so I do feel I, his name's kind of getting dragged through the mud. And I think that's, I think that's pretty harsh because if he is, if he did get in trouble and he was tasked by the team, that's a whole different thing. But if he, like he's, Cole was talking about this Michigan manifesto is a real thing. And if that's a something that he has been doing all on his own and he hired some GAs to go watch this, well, shoot, he's got, first of all, deep pockets because these games that he's going to are not all cheap football games. They're getting very good seats um, where they sit. They don't just sit up, up in the nosebleeds. They're sitting at the 50-yard line. They're sitting right where they can look across and videotape based on kind of the evidence. But I think you're ultimately going to see is – can they lead any paper trail back to Michigan being um, the one that maybe funded Connor with some of this money? Because $55,000, I'll tell you guys right now, is a lot for a uh, offensive analyst or whatever. I think that's what his position was. Analyst is what he was. That's a lot of money to give. Um, I can just tell you, I know it's Michigan football, but that's a pretty, that, that's a pretty good salary for someone just starting with basically – a volunteer position in a way. Um, so yeah, I think Cole, we have a long way to go. I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen this year. Like you read stuff that says, Oh, there are NCAs and talks to suspend Michigan. It's like, that's not happening. They're, those guys are playing the rest of the year. Um, if anything happens, I think it'll be after the season. They do seem to be moving fast, but you know how the NCAA goes. They're going to, they're going to find a way to slow it down. And if, if I'm being honest, that's what Michigan fans want. You don't want it to, keep going this year because if you win a national championship which there is a good chance you can win a national championship and you win it well you can't in my opinion if you say you vacate it uh you won the national championship it's it's the argument i have when they vacate things i you won the game you were the better team you you won it so it'll be interesting call but um that's that's all i got for right now you got any final thoughts on the michigan thing before we get into this week nine preview yeah i mean it's just it's just wait and see the team's still rolling um and i think we should all just be patient let it come out the the thing is this guy is fully cooperating he's gonna he's gonna keep just revealing everything that he he knows he's gonna answer the questions so um yeah you just kind of just gotta let it come out and and see what happens but it's. I mean, I, I don't love it. Like, I wish it didn't happen, but I don't think it's quite as crazy as, as people are making it out to be. And, yeah, I, I do think the NCAA is moving a little faster with this one. And I think a big part of that, once again, is they just absolutely hate Harbaugh and they want to do anything they can to tear him down and tear Michigan down. So I think because they're petty like that, they will move forward with, um, like, quicker, potentially. And I also think, uh, or no, uh, a high-ranking staff of the NCAA that came out as the whistleblower um, is a former Michigan uh, alum who hates Harbaugh's guts, and he's the one who kind of got his sources in, and basically told the NCAA of the allegations. Um, they still don't. We still don't know who released the allegations to the public, um, but the internal um, investigation started because this guy who works for the NCAA, uh, who has a vendetta against Harbaugh, which doesn't mean his claims aren't, uh, true or false, but it's one of your own who, who kind of blew the whistle on this one. But yeah, I'm, I'm good to move on. That's my final thoughts. And a lot's going to come out between now and next week. Let's get into our top tens. I'm going to start us off. Penn State is my number 10 team. I have them moving down three spots, uh, after the loss. At Ohio State, like Cole said, though, this team, if they beat Michigan and then who knows, Michigan beats Ohio State, they I think that would mean they'd win the Big Ten. So who knows? Uh, it's kind of all out there for Penn State. But I have them moving down to 10. I have a new team in my top 10, and that is Alabama. I have them as the number nine team. Alabama just continues to win football games. They have a bye this week, and then the big ones next week. At home against LSU, that's basically – and I think Cole and I's opinion for the SEC West. So that's a huge game. Uh, Texas, I have moving up one spot to eight. They were at nine, so I have them moving up naturally. Oklahoma moved them up one spot to seven. Oregon moved them up one spot to six. And then I have, I flipped 
I had Washington at five or Washington at four, Florida State at five. I'm flipping them this week due to the performances they both had. And then my top three remains the exact same. I have Michigan three, Ohio State two, Georgia one. Um, I will tell you that if Georgia this week really struggles with Florida and Ohio State and Michigan handle the – well, Michigan won't play. So they're, they're good. They're going to stay at three at the worst. But if Ohio State uh, beats Wisconsin handily, I am probably going to move Michigan and Ohio State up and put Georgia to three just because of the Brock Bauer stuff. But – I haven't seen them play without Brock Bauer, so I'm going to keep them at one. So that's my top 10, Cole. Not too much changing for me. Some teams moving up one spot. Alabama's new. Penn State dropped naturally due to the loss against Ohio State. But that's what I got. Yeah, I dropped uh, North Carolina out of my top 10. Um, We have Utah starting out at number 10 for me. They just continue to perform, and they put up a truly dominating performance against the USC. So one lost team on the road at Oregon state, who is currently number 11 team in the country. Um, yeah. Uh, number nine, Penn state, uh, you lost, but it was in the shoe. You weren't favored. You did kind of what you were supposed to do technically. Um, although it was a little uglier than you would have liked, but I do think there's a lot of these other teams that they could, they would come and just really, suffocate and their offense would do fine because Ohio State does have a really good defense and I think they could they would beat a lot of other teams um my next one I moved uh Texas up just because of even though they didn't play that well um just because a few other wins they had uh, or losses from other teams like Penn State so Texas is my number eight team although it's tough without yours um I'm honestly splitting hairs between Texas and Penn State I was in an internal battle deciding and I figured I'd, I'd give Texas the nod there just because of their their big one in Bryant-Denny. Number seven, uh, pretty much stayed the same, and that would be Georgia at seven. No explanation there. You know how I feel about them. The next one is Oklahoma. Stayed the same there. Um, we got Oregon at five, Florida State four, uh, Washington at three. They moved down um, just because of uh, their performance against Arizona State. Ohio State takes a pretty big jump after their uh, win against Penn State, uh, their dominant defensive win, and that's just a really, really good win to have. They have two really good wins now, um, and so Ohio State is at two. And then the number one team is the team who is averaging, uh, giving up only 5.8 points per game uh, in Michigan, who is absolutely dominating every single team. J.J. once again did not play in the fourth quarter. was out halfway through the third. Probably didn't, definitely didn't even need to play in the third. Um they win 49-0. They, I know that they're not playing anyone, but Washington didn't play anyone last week, and they lost, or almost lost. North Carolina didn't play anyone last week, and they lost to a team who had no FBS wins. So, like, you still have to go out, and you still have to absolutely, like, like you have to do they're, – they're covering spreads. They're doing more than they're supposed to. It's, it's, they're not, they haven't played a real opponent, but they are absolutely dominating and doing what the number one team should do, and they're, they aren't showing any signs of weakness. They – are playing incredibly disciplined football, um, like in an, and I think it tells a lot. Uh, and since Michigan has a bye week, this is my little. I'm going into Michigan real quick. They, uh, it, it tells a lot just about how the team is built to go into Michigan State. Such just like no matter what year it is, that's going to be an emotional game where you can kind of let your your emotions get the best of you and you can then that can lead to some undisciplined plays, maybe uh, rushing too hard, not sitting your edges hard. And that team was incredibly disciplined the whole game uh, and just played clean football and they continue to play really clean football defensively and offensively. And yeah, I think they're just until they show any sign of weakness, they're my number one team. No, I, you've stayed consistent with how you do your top 10 and Michigan has every right to be number one. Uh, I obviously am high on Michigan as well, and I like to see both of our teams be top. Well, you're they're one and two for you, and they're two and three for me. But pretty good chance that that changes this week because I think we're gonna get into it. But I think Georgia has a tough game this week. So Cole, let's get into our top games of the week, and I want to start off with a game that I wish Jalen Daniels could play in, and that is Oklahoma going on the road to Kansas. It's big noon kickoff. Uh, Oklahoma's favored by 10 points. They're coming off a, I'd say, disappointing win, which is obviously people are like, well, how is it disappointing? Well, coming off a win against Texas, and then you get a bye week, they laid an egg against UCF, but they won. And so to win is 
all you have to do because at the end of the day, if you win 12 games, it's like TCU last year. Perfect example. TCU, by no means, blew out anybody, really. They they just went handled their business, won some very, very last-second games, and they made it to a playoff. So it, the, the whole win and survive in advance is a basketball motto, especially in the tournament. But in college football, just win is what you got to do, and Oklahoma's been doing it. And I think they're going to have a tough time. I'm looking at the forecast. 37 degrees is expected game time temp in Kansas. I mean, you that's cold, and this is a team that's going to throw it a lot. That's what Oklahoma wants to do. And I think you kind of saw not having Andrew Anthony is a big deal for this team. Uh, he is a very good receiver. I knew that at Michigan, and he's been their best receiver all year. So Jason Bean's going to start. Jalen Daniels won't be playing, but like I told Cole a few weeks ago when I picked Kansas at home to beat BYU, it was like a two and a half point favorite. They killed them. They beat them fifty or they beat them uh, 38-27. It got late or it got close late. Jason Beans played a lot of football, and I fully expect him to be ready to play this Oklahoma team. And that fan base has really gotten into their football team the last few years. And Lance Leipold, they'll heal up those boys ready, Cole. So I think this is going to be a good game to start our Saturday slate off. Yeah, Kansas is a tough out um, no matter who you are. It's never going to be easy. I mean, we saw uh, Oklahoma look vulnerable last week against UCF. We saw Washington look vulnerable against Arizona State. We saw Virginia uh, beat North Carolina. I mean, these are all way worse teams than Kansas. And um, and they're at home. I think that uh, there is, I would say, there's the the chance of an upset. Uh, it's not it's not zero percent. Um, it, it it will be a fun game. Kansas is Kansas is a feisty team. They're, they'll they'll play hard. Uh, they they're well coached. They're at home. You know, you know their fans will at the very least get up for the big games, and they will be there for the big games. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's just gonna be another test for Oklahoma. Obviously, Oklahoma should win this game. There's a reason they're favored by ten points. Um, but it's no it's no just uh, move on. We already beat Texas. We're in the Big Twelve championship. It's not it's not that. Um, they need to wake up and, and be ready to play this game. So let's move into the world's greatest cocktail party, is what I believe this rivalry game is called. And that's Georgia against Florida. This happens in Jacksonville. It's kind of like the Red River rivalry in terms of the stadium is dead split. And half of the fans are wearing red. The other half are wearing blue. Uh, Florida's a 14.5-point underdog. And this is a weird game because this is the first game we're going to see Georgia without Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers obviously is, if not the best, one of the best players in college football. And he means so much to Georgia's offense. He's the equivalent of Marvin Harrison to this Georgia's offense. Now, I think Carson Beck... Him and McCord, I think you could probably almost say are 50-50. So it's one of those things where Georgia, what are they going to look like? Are they going to be able to run the football more? Kendall Milton's come back in the last few weeks, and that's helped them. They're coming off a bye week. But Florida is also the type of team that maybe fans were getting a little excited for, and then they go to Kentucky and just get smacked. So what do we need to see? Both teams coming off byes. Florida coming off a win at South Carolina, but we've watched South Carolina this year. I was kind of thinking they'd be a team that could win some games. They're bad. So, Cole, I know you are not a Florida fan. I do think you have that five and a half over under for Florida. So uh, they're probably going to hit that over, I would say. But what do you expect in this game without Brock Bowers for Georgia's offense? Yeah, Florida's been a riser uh, since those first few weeks of the year where we're just sitting there like, what is Billy Napier doing? Um, they, they've gotten a lot better, um, which is a good sign for them. Um, they still, they still need to get that sixth win. I'm holding out, but it, it definitely doesn't look good. Florida is a team that can turn it on that. It depends on the day, the day depends on the night, especially when they're in the swamp, which they won't be. Um, they, they can give you everything you want. They do have, uh, enough talent to really fight any team if they are, uh, put in the right position and, and have the energy. So, it depends on what Florida team we get um, based on if they cover or not. And the other thing is Georgia's defense needs to absolutely step up this game. They need to really suffocate 
Um, make Graham Mertz look like Wisconsin Graham Mertz. Uh, own the line of scrimmage. Don't let them run the ball at all. They Their defense needs to suffocate, especially now that De- um, Carson Beck's security blanket is off the, off the, is not in the field anymore. Um, he needs Carson Beck. Another key fa- point here is he needs to – he absolutely has to spread this ball around a lot this game. He's He's been playing well and had a lot of yards, but that's with Brock Bowers. So he needs to see if he can – continue that production without Brock Bowers. Um, and that's, I think those are the keys. The defense has to help their young quarterback and he needs to, at least by the third quarter, be adjusted without Brock Bowers and be throwing the ball around. Cause Florida's another team that you just, you never know what you're going to get from them. They can come out and play the game of their life. So they could also come out and play. Uh, they could lose to a team like Virginia. They could lose to uh, FCS school. Um, out of knowing, like, what are we doing here? So we'll we'll see what happens this game. Georgia could absolutely kill them, but it's going to be a fun one. At the like, just the rivalry, the the split field, the Georgia Florida, the cocktail party. Yeah, it's going to be great. What what if you were at this game? What what cocktail would you get at, for a game like this? I feel like there's got to be like a feel. Like, what kind of cocktail would be a Georgia Florida game? Oh, I don't know. You put me on the spot. You know, I'm not the uh, great uh, with the alcoholic drinks, but I don't know. I don't know what. It, what, what would you do? I, I'm bad. This is not a good ant question for me, Cole. I think like a nice afternoon in Florida. You know, you have the vibes. I, I, I think it's a Paloma. I think you get that little uh, little tequila with the grapefruit juice and the salt rim. I, I think that's that would be a very fitting cocktail for Florida, Georgia. I feel like you blend all those colors, all the Georgia's colors and Florida's colors. It makes that nice little pink. I'd have to uh, ask the former head coach at uh, – Western Michigan coach Bates. He was a he was a Gator. He went played basketball there. So I'd have to ask him. I know this. He's he's told me plenty of things about how big this game is. But no, it's going to be a big game, and uh, I'm excited for it. But another game happening at the exact same time, I'm also really excited for because I have a little over under win total in on the line for this. So Duke goes on the road to play Louisville. Who would have thought coming into the year both these teams would be top twenty teams in the country? Louisville's favored by four points at home. Riley Leonard, as of Wednesday night, October 25th, we do not know his status. Um, Hurt his ankle again against Florida State. We don't know. Uh, That's going to be a huge factor, obviously, because once he left the Florida State game, it was over. Uh, I don't know what to expect here because, Ellis, I'm staying away from this game uh, with the picks of the week for me. I will not have a play on this. I just don't know because – Louisville's looked great, and then they lay an egg against Pittsburgh. Now, two people you could say, oh, well, they just beat Notre Dame on the road against Pitt. Well, I think Pitt sucks, so that kind of is worrisome. But they are coming off a bye week. Duke's coming off a physical game against Florida State. I give the nod to Louisville, but I'm staying away from it on a betting standpoint, Cole. But what do you expect at 330 in Louisville with a game that used to be a huge basketball game, but now is a big football game. Duke is, they've had a really hard schedule. And we talked about this at the beginning of the year. And it's, it's impressive how well they've performed with the schedule they have. Um, and the fact that they're still a top 20 team. I, if Duke was one at home or two, if they were, not coming off a really hard-fought game against Florida State last week. I think I would be taking Duke here, but we saw it happen with Notre Dame when they went into Louisville um, in wounded animal mode after just playing a really, really tough game the week before. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm staying away here. I do think uh, if Riley Leonard plays, I would give Duke the edge. Um, I think their defense can really stall out Louisville's offense. Um, and then Riley Leonard can put enough points on the board and drive him down at least, let's say, three times. And that, that could be a win if Duke's defense uh, remains as physical as they are and at peak as, as at their peak. However, and it's a long college football season, especially when you're playing a lot of good teams. Um, it's hard to remain that physical and, and that um, have that jump in your step when you're just grinding week after week against really good opponents. So yeah, I'm staying away from it, but it's, it's going to be a gritty game. Um, and it's going to be, this is, this is a really big test for the landscape of the ACC and who's going to play Florida state. Yeah. This is a game that if Louisville wins, you're starting to probably think that they can actually get to the ACC championship. I still think you probably are going to see uh, North Carolina, Florida state, but who knows if you win this game, uh, anything I'd say is still in the cards because Louisville avoids 
North Carolina, and they avoid Florida State. So you never know. So next game, our fourth game, let's go to Oregon, Utah, two teams that are in your top 10, Cole. Uh, I have Utah. They would be – we don't do past top 10. They're 11 for me. Uh, they are they are the type of team that if one of my top 10 lose or if they beat Oregon this week, you might see them in the top 10. And this is a game that Oregon is a 6.5-point favorite on the road – so that kind of shows what I would say the betting market is saying about Bucky Barnes, the quarterback uh, for Utah, because obviously Cam Rising, like Cole mentioned on the Sunday episode, Cam Rising's taking a medical red shirt. He's done for the year. This is a weird game for me because I think Oregon, well, I don't think, Oregon's the better football team, but it's really hard, really, really hard to go win at Utah. It's one of the better uh, home field advantages, 51,000 fans there, but they sure make you feel it. But this Oregon team's been rolling. I know they lost to Washington. I think they were the better football team in that game. They just lost. So, Cole, Oregon-Utah, going to be a great game. Probably the best game of the weekend, I would say. What do you expect? I expect uh, Oregon to come out with a fire, at the very least. Uh, we know there's an urgency that's in that locker room now because of that one loss. Um, that they have to win out if they want to achieve their goals. Bo Nix knows where he's at in the Heisman race too. So, um, yeah, that whole staff knows that it's time to get going from from the coaching to the bottom, that they need to get going. And they're they're good at motivating their guys. Um, they really are, as we saw it against Colorado. Um, but who, who was it who said today? Uh, Urban Meyer, uh, best coach in the country, he thinks is Kyle Whittingham. And Kyle Whittingham has proven it. Every single year, he is an amazing coach. He know he just knows how to get guys up for the big games, and he knows how to just coach really, really well. He knows how uh, to just play situations well, to play good teams well, to play good offense as well, and he, he's just a really smart coach. Um, so you can never bet against Utah, I, especially at home. I, I think Oregon will just have uh, the juice and the star, star power. Uh, that will just be too much for Bryson Barnes and that Utah offense, but... I could be wrong. I, I'm not gonna. I'm, this is another game I'm gonna stay away from uh, betting wise, but I'm gonna watch as much as I can because I think it's gonna be a really good game, a really fun game, um, and this is this is honestly a playoff game. This is potentially a playoff game because both of these schools, if they if they lose, they're out, and um, both these schools have playoff aspirations. They, the goal is the same for these schools to win out and make the playoffs. So. Um, yeah, well, it's, this is a playoff game in my book, and I think you it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, in Oregon, you know, I said, could we get a rematch in the Pac-12 championship with Washington? Well, you got to win this one first, and this is it's a big game for them. Like I said, very hard place to go play, um, and it's going to be a great game. And I want to move in now to another game that I think means a lot in a certain part of the SEC, and that is... Tennessee, Kentucky. These two do not like each other. Uh, this is a big rivalry game. And Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite on the road at Kentucky. Kentucky has kind of, I'd say, fallen off the earth after their win against Florida. Um, just got killed by Georgia and then just got dominated by Missouri. They're coming off a bye. Devin Leary has a turnover problem. He has seven interceptions in uh, seven games. So you can't be averaging one interception if you're a team like Kentucky that's not meant to just blow out teams, and that's kind of how they are. And then this Tennessee team's up double digits at halftime last week on the road at Alabama, and then the wheels fell off. I'd say the better football team is definitely Tennessee, just based on everything I've seen this year. The problem I have is lapses like they had last week where they don't score in the second half and a team like Alabama just dominates them. Now, Alabama uh, is much better than Kentucky and better defensively, better offensively, but I can see why this line is three and a half Tennessee on the road against Kentucky because if you would have done this line, I would say after the Kentucky-Florida game, I would say Kentucky would probably have been favored, but they're not, and I think Tennessee is probably the better team. But I'm going to stay away from this game because both of these teams, I think, have a very big um, inconsistency problem, Cole. So I'm going to stay away. Yeah, this is another game. I agree. A lot of of these games are similar in the fact that 
Um, they're not the top of the top besides Georgia um, and the Oklahoma game, but they're, I would say the Duke game, the Oregon game, and the Tennessee game, they're all kind of like, ah, what do we do here right in the middle? Um, and they mean, they mean a lot, especially this Tennessee-Kentucky game means a lot to both of these programs. Um, I think Kentucky's going to win this one. Personally, I think that uh, they are going to be a more physical team, a better defensive team, and that's just going to frustrate Tennessee, especially after what happened them last week. I think emotionally they're going to be a little beaten down. Kentucky is not emotionally beaten down. Uh, they, they seem to be a pretty consistent team no matter who they play as far as just the way they play, whether it's good or bad. I think emotionally they say the same. I think Mark Stoops has it has it rolling, and, and just he runs that program well. Um, and I'm going to go with Mark Stoops in Kentucky here. Uh, this is a game that – yeah, I just think they're going to be able to really slow down uh, that Tennessee offense. And it's, it's not like it's going that fast to begin with. Um, and I think that they can force, they can, but they're going to put their defensive players in a position to uh, get some turnovers off Joe, overthrow Joe. So our last top game of the week, I want to stay in your conference, and that is the Pac-12. And a team that you were very high on at the beginning of the year, and then you kind of wavered on because they had a few tough weeks, and now they're back, and that's Arizona. Oregon State goes on the road to play Arizona. Oregon State's only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's kind of like that line for Tennessee-Kentucky. And uh, Arizona, Cole, I'm just going to let you start on this game. Why do they... Why are they so good without Jaden Delora? Because Jaden Delora had a lot of hype, good quarterback, but this, is it Noah Fatita or something Fatita? That guy, he can play, and he has looked great in his first few starts. And they were, I mean, they really were unfortunate to lose to USC. And if they would have won that game, who knows? Because they almost beat Washington the week before. And then this past weekend, they killed Washington State. So, why has Arizona actually probably gotten better since Jaden Delora has gone down with the injury? Uh, Jaden Delora is just an absolute wild card who makes a lot of just bad plays. Um, he makes a lot of good ones, um, but he puts the team in bad position that makes them lose games. Um, and I, I just... I, I never wavered on this team. I don't know. You said I did. I don't think I ever wavered early on. I said they were better I no matter what I said they were better than people thought they were even after a few of their their losses they played a lot of teams close um this is a it's a really solid team um they're at home they actually have a pretty good home atmosphere their fans really show up and they're and they're kind of nasty too um I don't necessarily trust Oregon State on the road I do I had Oregon State as my uh as my number 11 team just outside the top 10 I mean they're, they're right along with uh with where the AP has them so I don't know what to do with this game. My gut and my heart says Arizona is going to win this game. It just seems like a letdown spot for Oregon State in a Pac-12 school who's who's really good. Um, they the there's not a lot of drop off in quarterback play with uh, um, who with Rashida. Who no Fatida or yeah it's Fatida, <laughs> Fatida yeah. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of drop off uh, with Fatida. He, he doesn't make as much of the wow plays, but he does not turn the ball over nearly as much. He, he runs that offense the way it should be run, and uh, they're really rolling right now, and there's a belief in that locker room now, which, which does a lot for a team's morale. Yeah, I think it's I, I think Arizona's going to win this game. Yeah, I think Oregon State is a really good football team, but they've lost the game that I was really confident in them winning, and that was when they lost to Washington State, and that was on the road, and now they're going on the road to play – uh, good Arizona team that has challenged the best teams in the Pac-12. So I don't really know what to expect here. Uh, I think Oregon State gets it done. But once again, this is one I'm not willing to put on the A-plus picks of the week because I just, I don't know. So these are our top games that we wanted everybody to be aware of this week. I have a few that I got to talk. I got to talk Ohio State, Michigan State really quick. Uh, Ohio State goes on the road to play Wisconsin. I think this is their last game where they uh, will get tested in some fashion before the Michigan game. Um, this is on the road. Camp Randall is a very, very tough place to go win, especially at night uh, when jump around gets going there. It's uh, it's just crazy environment. It'll be a tough environment for Ohio State to go into. Now, 
I like that they played Notre Dame earlier this year because they're ready for a night road environment like that. Ohio State's 14.5-point favorites. Big news, they're supposed to get Trayvon Henderson, Emeka Ibuka, Denzel Burke uh, all back, according to Ryan Day's like midweek press conference, which is huge. That's exactly what Ohio State needs. For Wisconsin to pull the upset, Braden Locke, the quarterback who's taken over for Tanner Mordecai, this has to be outstanding. And Braylon Allen has to be able to run the ball for, I would say, 150 yards, which with what Ohio State's defense has shown, I don't really uh, expect too much of the big, big home run plays that Braylon Allen's capable of. But, Cole, would you agree with me that this is probably their, I would say, their last test? And I'm not like, I'm not writing off the teams they're playing, but there are three games after this before Michigan at Rutgers, which probably is the best team out of those. And then they get Michigan State and Minnesota at home, which I just, in the in the shoe, I don't see them losing those two games. So I think this is probably their last chance to get actually tested. So do you think Wisconsin can do it? I know there's Braden Locke, is, he has not looked good in his time, but they've won the games he's played. So I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know what to expect from, from the quarterback play either. I think he's at least done a good enough job of being a placeholder um, and just kind of just being there. I Ohio State absolutely should win this game. However, emotional, we know how college football is. We saw Washington trip up. Um, Wisconsin's not a, a horrible team. They're at home. It's a, it is a tough place to play uh, in Camp Randall. And, um, yeah, I, I, Ohio State should definitely win this game. But, you know, Luke Fickle, he knows that Ohio State program. He's a good coach. He, his whole team has been looking at this game above all else the, uh, the whole year. Um, yes, it's a letdown spot, but um, I don't think Ohio State uh, will be letting anyone down this week except for me when they win. <laughs> I was just kind of looking at something. Some news came to my attention. Uh, so more an update on the Michigan, uh, everything that's coming out about them. Uh, like I said, this stuff is coming out minute by minute. You can't just make uh, an assumption off anything. So the investigation threatening to disrupt Michigan's football season began after an outside investigative firm approached the NCA with documents and videos. The firm said it had obtained from computer drives maintained and accessed by Michigan coaches. So one, why was there a random law firm looking into Michigan football is a question people are asking. Um, they hacked in their computers to get this. Another pe- thing people are questioning, and who funded this was another question. So how did this all begin? No one really has any idea still. It's, it's, it's crazy that it came out this way. Among the things that uh, were obtained was um, evidence the firm presented was a detailed schedule of Michigan's planned sign stealing travel for the rest of the season, uh, listing opponent schedules, which games Michigan scouts would attend, and how much money was budgeted. So like I said, this is that looks horrible. Uh, if if that's if that's true, um, this is still all developing. Um, we got to get these sources proven. Um, who whose computers was it? Was it like I said? Was it just Stallion's computers and the other low level guys there that had that sign stealing thing, or was it uh, Harbaugh's computer? Was it uh, a file drive that everyone had access to? So a lot of questions to be answered, but. Like I, I said earlier, this is going to come out very, very fast, especially with the full cooperation and uh, the microscope that's on this. Things are going to continue to uh, develop here. Um, and honestly, let's just get it over with. Let's continue to, to let these things out and figure get to the bottom of it. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it doesn't another, – another thing that doesn't bode well uh, for Michigan at all, which, which absolutely sucks. Um, but, yeah, another – like. It just shows that this is a very fast developing story. So let's move into Michigan State plus seven on the road against Minnesota. Uh, don't expect much from this game except like no points. I would say I think luckily Michigan just or Minnesota uh, is not Michigan's defense, so Michigan State is going to be prepared to play a really good defense, and it has nothing on what Michigan's defense is. So maybe. I think Michigan State wins this game. Not going to pick it on the podcast, but I think they get it done. I think they've, they're have they due. They've had two road games before Michigan against teams not as good as Michigan where they probably were the better team. They just lost. So hopefully the Spartans win it. Cole, let's move into A-plus picks of the week. I, coming off a 2-3 and three week, I'm 18-19 and 19 for the season. You, you're coming off a 3-2 and two week. 
You are 17 and 20. What is your first pick of the week? My first pick of the week is I'm taking Virginia Tech minus two and a half. They're playing Syracuse. Virginia Tech has really been uh, on the up since uh, that that, that hor- horrible start to the season. They've been they've been playing a lot of teams tough, um, and they've they've shown they've shown some life and quite the opposite uh, trajectory for Syracuse. Um, I think Virginia Tech is going to continue their momentum. Um, and Syracuse is going to continue their lack of momentum, and I think this is another one that Virginia Tech is going to win. My first pick of the week is Oregon-Utah over 47.5 points. Oregon scored 30-plus points in every game this year, and Utah's offense has actually kind of been putting up points as well recently, two straight games over 30 points. Now, yes, they played USC, but I don't think Oregon's defense is that good, so give me a... Oregon, Utah, over 47 and a half. I'm going to take South Carolina plus 14 and a half uh, at Texas A&M. I don't think Texas A&M is a team that you can give like anyone more than 10 points to. Um, and 14 and a half is, is a good number. I don't know if I would have taken that 13 and a half. I probably would have. Uh, but that 14 and a half makes it a lot more comfortable for me. So I'm taking South Carolina at Texas A&M plus 14 and a half. Texas A&M is always in these letdown spots. Uh, South Carolina needs to do something um, and at the very least, I don't think they lose this game by 15 points. I think they, if they lose, which it's still likely that they lose, it's not by that much. So a team that a lot of people are, uh, well, not a lot of people because no one really is watching them, but Nebraska's kind of starting to play some okay football recently, and they're at home against Purdue. And if you, if Matt Rule wants to start winning over this fan base, you got to win this game. So I'm taking Nebraska at home. Minus two and a half against Purdue. I'm going to go right there with you on that one. Give me Nebraska minus two and a half at home there. I mean, they're sneaky. They, they they can still potentially make that Big Ten championship. I mean, I, I said it before, but I'm not saying it's going to happen, but keep an eye on it. I, I placed a little future on it. Not a lot, just because, like, why not? Seems like a fun thing to do. So Okay, we'll double down again. We've had okay success when we double down on picks, so let's hope we both win that one. I'm going to go to a pick that I'm surprised I'm doing, to be honest. But uh, Colorado is a 17.5-point underdog at UCLA. I don't think UCLA is as good as I did a few weeks ago. And 17.5 points is a lot. They're coming off a bye week. I think they just got chewed out during that bye week for their pitiful performance at home against Stanford, up 29-0. This gave Travis Hunter another week to recover. And uh, he was sitting courtside last night for the Lakers Nuggets. So I'm going to go with Shadur and Travis Hunter. Give me them 17 and a half points at UCLA. I'm going to take uh, Maryland minus 13 and a half at Northwestern. Maryland is a team after Indiana. Everyone kind of just rode off uh, and kind of forgot about them. Uh, they did what Maryland does. But Northwestern's a really bad team. Um, if they if they didn't lose that game to Illinois, then this spread is way higher. Uh, this is what Maryland does. They lose bad games. Um, they're gonna they're gonna come back around at least against Northwestern. I can't say that they won't lose another bad game, but I don't think this is the time they do that. I think Maryland minus thirteen and a half is is a solid one. A game, a team I never thought I'd pick on this podcast because they're they just looked really bad at the beginning of the year, lost to a Mac school. I got Iowa State minus two and a half at Baylor. Iowa State has put together some pretty good performances late, and I think they are the better football team here. And Baylor's season's kind of been all over the place and it's very inconsistent so i'm gonna ride with the hot team iowa state road favorites at baylor my final pick is kentucky plus three and a half at home against tennessee i think that they um at the very least this game will come down to a late field goal i think they're just going to be the more physical team um and they i think three and a half is a great number if it, it would be a lot tougher to take at two and a half i think three and a half is the perfect number for this one um and i think it's going to be low scoring and they're going to keep it easily within that three three point margin and, and they're just gonna be a smarter, better coach team um in Tennessee. And I think a lot of people think they're better than they are because of the fight they put up against Alabama in that first half. And I think they're gonna be emotionally pretty drained after that. I'm gonna end the day and hope for an upset here and that's Kansas plus ten against Oklahoma. I just think big noon kickoff, Lawrence Kansas is going to be rocking and I think they I don't, I'm not saying they're pulling the upset, but I think they cover 10 and a, or ten points at home. Jason Bean, he'll be ready for it. Lance Leipold will have them ready, and uh, maybe they 
maybe that game is what Michigan State needs to call him and say, here you go, how much you want, and then get him to – because Kansas can't match Michigan State. So maybe uh, maybe that will be a big game for the Michigan State coaching search. So Kansas plus 10 is my last pick of the week, Cole. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun week. I'm ex- there's, there's a lot of games starting late. Uh, a lot of a lot of Mountain West games starting late. Oregon State, Arizona is a late one. Uh, it's nothing nothing like Pac-12 and, and Mountain West after dark. We got a Hawaii game that starts at I think 12:30 Eastern. Um, man, I, like, there's nothing like that. Come after a long day of watching ball, you're feeling just out of it, and you're just sitting there slap happy. You throw a few wagers down. Um, so really, this is these these are the weeks. Those night games where you're just sitting around and be like. I'm just going to watch these last games. Like, why not? And those are some of the most fun college football that you will watch uh, in your whole life. So if, you, if you're up, if you're, if you're scrolling through, don't, don't be afraid to throw on Hawaii versus San Jose State. Don't be afraid. Absolutely don't be afraid to put on Oregon State, Arizona. Watch those late games. Uh, maybe, maybe have yourself a, a nice beverage while you do it and throw some, throw some live bets down. There's, there's, I don't love live betting, but those late games – are the most fun to live bet. It's a, it's a true joy. It's a little, uh, a, a true pleasure of life. Uh, the game really gives back in that in that late night slate. So make sure you're watching those ball games. Yeah, that's almost a morning bet here in Michigan because shoot, the last few weeks I've been staying up till two two thirty to watch those dang Pac twelve games. But Cole gets the benefit of that ending at eleven thirty and still not being destroyed the next day with a lack of sleep. So. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not it's the uh, Hawaii game's gonna be late. That's nine thirty. Uh, it, it it is it is really weird when um, you're watching that like Florida State Duke last week, Utah USC, and it feels so late because I'm used to watching those like late night games or, like later in the day. Uh, it's so weird. It's over and it's seven o'clock and it's like all the big games just ended. Like everything's done. What are we doing? And then that TV just goes to the next game and you're like, wait. What's uh what's Colorado State doing right now? What's Hawaii doing right now? And you're like, all right. And then and then you just kind of the, the TV just happens to stay on it. You're just talking with your friends, and then you realize you're in the third quarter, and we got a crazy comeback. It's 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 a fun time. Yeah. Now you're Mountain West Cole, I think. So no, this will uh this there's a lot of good games this week, a lot of content right now in college football, and uh, also start kind of paying attention to college basketball. In the next month, we have some. Pretty crazy preseason basketball tournaments. I mean, you know the ones, the Maui Invitational, the Battle for Atlantis. Uh, you have a lot that just are awesome preseason basketball tournaments that obviously Cole and I will touch a lot um, in the coming month. But have a great weekend, everybody. Watch a lot of football. Watch some, uh, maybe you watch a, uh, some of the preseason basketball. Some of those, is, that is on TV. Michigan State plays Tennessee. Sunday afternoon at the Breslin. That'll be a sold-out event. All the uh, all the money from that game goes to the Maui Wildfire Relief, so pretty cool thing both those teams are doing. But uh, lock in because it is going to get cold here in Michigan, and you are going to want to sit by that TV, watch a lot of college football this weekend. So we'll see you next week on A Degree in Sports.